Welcome to the Heart of the Father podcast. We're glad you're here and able to listen in. We're praying the Lord will speak to your heart through this message and that you be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. I just want to share this morning um, on revival. We're hearing about it. We're seeing it. Um, It's happening in different spots. Um, It's happening in places that we don't even know, aren't even aware of it. And um, let me just go on record as saying I am not the revival expert at all. But I've been in, been having, I've had the privilege of being in revival services many, many. My wife and I have, and um, I know that some people, when you hear the word revival, you don't like it um, because of something maybe that happened. So let me just give you uh, some descriptive terms as far as what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a move of God. I'm talking about an outpouring. I'm talking about a spiritual awakening that happens inside of us individually. Basically, revival is when God comes to his people and he touches his people. I'm for that. I am for that. You say, well, what about, and what about, and what about? We'll deal with some of the whatabouts. But I am for God coming and touching me and you. That's the cool thing about God. Is this is what his longing is. This is what he wants to do. This is why he sent Jesus When Adam blew it, he sent his son. He still, he didn't change his plan. He said, no, I want to be with my people. So he was willing to send Jesus. Thank God. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for Jesus coming for me. I am. And so we're hearing about revival touching on different campuses and different churches. And I'm just, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. I'm not jealous in a bad sense. I want him to come and touch us here. I want him to come and touch me here. I want him to come and touch you there. I'm not jealous in that I'm envious or whatever. My goal is to position myself in such a way that he can come and touch me. Me. Joel 2 puts it this way. And it shall come to pass after this that I shall pour out my spirit on all mankind Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And even on the males and the female servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. That's Old Testament. I know. There are people watching over the internet. That's Old Testament. It's New Testament too. Acts 2 puts it this way. And God says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Keep that in mind, all people. No one is exempt. God hasn't exempted anybody. It's for all people. And your sons and daughters will prophesy. And your young men will see visions. And your old men will have special dreams. I don't fit into that category. 
I have a deal with God. If he wants to speak to me through dreams, he can go ahead. But all the rest of the nonsense and not dreaming crazy stuff, I don't have time for it. And uh, God's been faithful to me. He gives me some dreams every once in a while. But they're from him, and that's okay. But I'm not going to spend all night dreaming that I'm running through the forest and something is changing. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. So your old men are going to have special dreams. And in those days, I'll pour out my spirit on my servants, both men and women, and they will prophesy. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. flesh. Say all flesh. So we've got men and we've got women. We've got young and we've got old. We've got black and we've got white, along with every other color. You say, well, are you racist? No, I'm not racist, okay? Just a descriptive term. I love black people. Grew up with black people. They're some of my closest friends, African-American. But that, hey, that exempts Colored people from other countries. So it's not just African American. It's all colors. All colors are included in the all flesh that the Spirit's going to be poured out on. Educated and uneducated, people with money, lots of money, and people with not lots of money. Tall people and short people, round people and rectangular people, and all shapes and sizes. He said all flesh. That's you. You're included. Over the internet, you're included. All flesh. His spirit is available to be poured out on you. And he wants to. And he said he would. Well, I've never been around services or gatherings where his spirit was poured out. Well, you're fixing to. You're fixing to. So I'm going on record is not claiming to be the expert. I've been in hundreds of days of a revival up close. Those of you that know me know I watch people. I know what's going on. But I say that with all humility. I've seen God touch people And totally revolutionized their life. The rest of their life. This is why we need the Spirit of God in us and touching us now. So that from now until the end, we'll walk under the influence of the Spirit. We have to. I know for some of you that may be foreign. Walking under the influence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to be so involved with your life. Every area of your life. I know. That sounds crazy to some. But we've got to be a people who get up in the morning and we ask the Holy Spirit to direct us and to lead us and our words and our actions and set up divine appointments so we don't waste the day. His kingdom needs to be built and advanced in a short amount of time. And we better do it. We better make that a priority. So I'm all for it. I'm going to ask my wife to come. Oh, my wife. Come here, honey. Come here. We've been in revival. We've been impacted by revival. Some of you know that 
We went through a season where we lost our daughter at four, four months of age. It was a dark time, to say the least. If you've ever lost a child, you know it's not supposed to be that way. You're supposed to outlive your children. A lot of grief. Didn't understand. You know, there's a lot of things to God you won't understand in this life. It's okay. Even things about revival you will not understand. But they are the ways of God. And you have to trust him. If you're going to give your life to him, you've got to trust him that regardless of the circumstances, he will come through for you. You've got to. And so during those days, we, there was tremendous grief. There was brokenness in our hearts. But I was determined that we were going to be healed by God. I heard of the revival that was coming. And I said to her, I said, we're going to go and we're going to get healed. That's what our goal was. You can say, well, you know, that was selfish or whatever. I'm just telling you, 27 years of age. What do I know? I think I'm a day or two older than that now, but... What do we know? All we knew was that we were just desperate for God to come and touch us in that way, along with other ways. Every night, we would go to bed and Jules would cry, totally broken. Husbands, what do you do when your wife is in that condition. No words to say. Prayers have been prayed. I said, we're going to go to the revival and we're going to get healed. Bound and determined to be touched by God. You know what? You and I better be bound and determined to be touched by God. We better be. We better be. It's our only way of survival. It's our only way to fulfill the things of God. And so we started going morning and night to the services. And there was one of the services where the evangelist said, I feel like I need to pray for people with a broken heart. And we were it. No no shame. Let me tell you something. We need to be honest with ourselves as to where we are. Quit fudging stuff. Quit glossing over stuff. You need to assess where you are spiritually. This is not a game. Not a game. And so... I'll describe myself to you, and I'm going to let her describe herself. Went forward for prayer, and as we fell under the power of God, and I know that's foreign to some of you, there are times that the Spirit of God comes on us, and we can't stand. I don't care what you think about it or whatever. That's the fact of the matter. And you keep up your criticism, it might happen to you. It might, may may not. We'll talk about manifestations here in just a moment. But as I laid on the floor, the best way I can describe it to you is that as I would feel the pain of the brokenness, The Holy Spirit would come in and would lift that pain off of me. You say just one time? No, waves of it. During that season that I was in, there was accusations against me and it hurt. 
Yeah, Holy Spirit. Accusations hurt. You better be careful what you say to people. You better tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you God. And so the, the pain of being falsely accused, I would feel the pain of it and the Holy Spirit would come and lift it and take it away. This happened for probably, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 minutes. This happened in these waves. As God began to heal my heart. And I want my wife to share her side of this. So, yeah, as Dave explained, um, after our daughter passed away, I was deep in grief. I was going into depression. And they were advertising the revival and that the revival, you know, was going to bring joy. And honestly, I didn't see that for myself because I was so broken. I'm like, how will I ever have joy? Number one, I was listening to a lie from the enemy. See, the, the enemy wants to put a false identity on you. And what he was putting on me was the fact that I could never be happy again or people would think I was a horrible mother. How could I be happy? How could I have joy? My child just died. And so I, would, I felt that into these services. I literally just, I just sat there. And yes, I was watching people get touched and the, and the revival, you know, came and people came. And I just, I would just sit there because I wouldn't let go of that. And so the, the night that he was talking about that we got prayed for, I too was on the ground and I just crying out, Lord, why aren't you helping me? I'm here. I'm at the revival. I'm, I'm, doing, you know, I'm doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you helping me? And I had my eyes closed and I felt like, have you ever felt like somebody's like looking over you like there's a shadow? And I thought somebody was standing over me. So I looked up to see, you know, and there was nobody there. And I just felt like that was the Holy Spirit. So I just closed my eyes again. And he said to me, I'm trying. You're not letting me. See, we can sit in revival. We can be in the services day after day, night after night, and miss the opportunity that the Holy Spirit has brought for us. Just because we're there does not mean we're having revival. Mm. You have, I, I had to let go of that and let go and let God, and then I finally said, I, I, I had to repent I'm sorry, Lord. Do whatever you want to do. Because I am desperate. I have to have a change. I cannot live the rest of my life this way. I cannot. And we let these opportunities pass us by. And we cannot do that. God is gracious in his mercy to come and bring revival. Um, and even thinking about the other places that it's happening... Like Dave said, we're not, we're not jealous it's not happening right here, right now. But we're jealous for the, the Holy Spirit to come and do it to us also in the mm. way because we all need it. Mm. But as I was thinking about this last night and praying and um, even how Brandon had us repent earlier, I felt like I had to repent like, God, why am I not hungry? We were so hungry and desperate. But, but it's because I had such a hurt. I had to have change. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I had I repented last night. Like, Lord, I, we should be this way all the time. Every day, every time we come into a service, we should be like so hungry and desperate. Like, Lord, we need, Lord, we need you. We cannot go another day without your presence in our lives. Mm -hmm. But we sat through those services, and once I released that to the Lord, he began to deal with me day after day. And again, most people in that back then, they were filled with joy. I still cried, but that was okay. That's what I needed. I laid on the floor every day and cried, 
But it was the healing cry of the Holy Spirit that worked inside, that made a deep, lasting healing inside of my soul and in my heart so that we could move on. And finally, one time, the preacher had a bunch of people come up who wanted children. And he looked at everybody, and he just says, I want, to, want you to tell me how many children you want. And so we went down the line. It was a huge, long line on the stage. And we happened to be the last couple. And I just looked at him, and I said, we just want a healthy child. And they pulled us out and prayed over us. And I guess soon after that, we got, we got pregnant again with our daughter. And God redeemed. But we had to continue to walk out that healing. Because even at that point, I was still afraid. You know, I'll just be honest. I, you know, I had to let God take that complete and make a complete healing within my body, within my spirit. But that to say, we cannot pass up these opportunities. If God comes, we have to let go of the things that are holding us back. And let God do it. What a shame to sit through a revival and not be changed. I mean, if God is willing to come because he loves us so much, the, the most we can do is let him come in and change us forever. Because that's, that's what we need. You see, the grief and the depression was so strong on her that if she hadn't been touched by the power of God, she would not be with us today. That's what I believe. You say, are you speaking that? No. I'm telling you my honest opinion because that's what depression will do to you. That's what it'll do to you. But when you get touched by the power of God, he changes you. Amen. He does a work inside of you that you can't do. She couldn't do. I couldn't do. But he could. He could. He could. So as I stated first out of the gate, I am not the expert on revival. But I want to share some cautions with you. And some safeguards with you to have in place. Because I believe that God wants to move out, move right here in our midst. Just like he does everywhere else based on Joel 2 and Acts 2 that I read to you. And it's very easy to get caught up in the emotionalism and the excitement and the hype and all of that. Very easy, very easy to get your eyes off of Jesus and on to other things. Let me tell you, do not do that. Do not do that. I saw a report um, the other day where some news channels wanted to go to Asbury College to, you know, they're doing their job. They told them no. Why? They're trying to be focused on Jesus. The world will hear about this without the news agencies. When this starts happening all over the world. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Number one. This is not about a person or a speaker. It's about Jesus. Stay focused on Jesus Christ. It is not about a location. Okay? It's not about it happening over here or up here or down here or whatever. It's about it happening in here. Right in here. This is where it starts. 
You got to get your fire, the fire of God inside here. And you got to let God touch you, not a man. Thank God for his vessels. But God wants to touch you. God wants to change you. It's not about manifestations. A lot of people are hung up on the manifestations. They don't understand it or they think that it's a... Let let me tell you, just focus on Jesus. It's not about falling down. It's not about running. It's not about shouting. It's not about crying. It's not about the joy There are manifestations that come along with moves of God. There always has been. There's Quakers back in the the day. Don't be hung up, if I don't quake, God's not touching me. No, every human body responds to the presence of God differently. Joel 2 and Acts 2, their manifestations were dreams, visions, and prophecy. Okay, praise God for that. Praise God for that. But never be focused on the manifestations. They will happen. It's okay. It's not about extended meetings, although many times extended meetings take place. It's not about the corporate elite gathering. Well, we're just the spiritual ones. No, that's pride. God said he would pour out his spirit on all flesh. It's available to everyone. And it's not about duplicating a previous move of God. So don't criticize or critique Say, well, that's, that's, not, that's not what we did 10 years ago, so this isn't God. No. No. You are not the revival police. There are things of God that you don't know and I don't know, that you don't understand and I don't understand. It's okay. It's okay. I thought it was interesting to... I came across this quote from a professor up there at Asbury Seminary. And he said, what we are experiencing now, this inexpressible deep sense of peace. Here's these manifestations. It's okay. It's not a bad thing. Deep sense of peace and wholeness and holiness, belonging and love. The movements of the Spirit in, the Western, in Western evangelism always existed in the middle of a culture movement. A generous interpretation of these movements reveal unique traits for each one. For example, fervor for the Great Commission was at Mount Hermon Conference. Overwhelming joy was in Toronto. Zeal for the lost was in Brownsville. Acts of healing was in Kansas City's awakening. And manifestation of tongues at Azusa Street. Each of these movements of the Spirit, God clearly manifests in a specific way for that generation. I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring with a tangible sense of peace. For a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. I think God knows what we need and when we need it. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. A leadership emphasizing protective humility in relation with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power. 
a focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distractions. It describes us, doesn't it? It feels as if God is personally meeting young adults in ways meaningful to them. My generation was formed differently than previous generations, so, and so the traits of revival are different than the revivals of old. A new outpouring is not signs and wonders, nor zealous intercession, nor spontaneous tongues, nor charismatic physicalities or manifestations, nor visceral travail. May be part of it, but it may not be. It is marked by a tangible feeling of holistic peace, a restoration, restorative sense of belonging, a non-anxious presence through felt safety, repentance driven by experienced kindness, humble stewardship of power and holiness through treasuring adoration. And he goes on. There are manifestations. But we're not to be focused on them. When the Spirit of God comes on me, many times I feel it like somebody put a blanket or a heavy cloak. Say, well, that's the devil. No, it's not. It's called the anointing. It may be the devil for you. It's not for me. True revival is God coming to his people and making himself real to them. Let that be your focus. You've often heard me talk about God's part and our part. It's always like this. I got good news for you. God's part was in Joel 2 and Acts 2. That he wants to, I shall, I will pour out my spirit. That's his part. What's our part? Listen to me carefully. I want you, as I go through these, just to look at your life. Not condemning anybody, okay? We're all on this journey. But let the conviction of the Holy Spirit touch you. Our part, true revival, is recognizing our need for an increased God's presence in our daily life. We have to recognize and be desperate for his presence in our life. Oh, well, you know, I am when I come to church. No, you, you need to be out there. You need to have the same desperation for God's presence driving down the road, in Publix, at school, at work. God, I'm dependent on you. I want to be led by you. I want to be used by you. I'm desperate for you. I make messes on my own, but you're the one that brings solutions. I've got to have you in me. Amen. Our part of revival is personal and it's individual. I must have more of God. Oh, well, it's those other. No, it's you and me. We have to have this inside of us. I must have him involved in every area of my life. Like Jules said, just because you're in a gathering where his presence is strong doesn't mean you're taking it for yourself. No more than you can get in your car and drive down to this gas station at Wawa and sit there at the pumps and think for a moment that your car will get filled up. It will never. Oh, well, I just like to look at the Wawa sign and the people coming in. Oh, did you smell that gas, those gas fumes? Oh, well, I must be full. No. It's your fire that you've got to have. You've got to get out and pump your gas. You can't walk in Publix and think for a moment that your shopping cart will get filled with stuff. You'll walk out of there hungry. It's personal. 
It's individual. Does it happen corporately? Yes. But there are people who come into revival meetings and spectate and critique it and walk out with zero for themselves. Revival is about repentance of sins. Say, so, well, I don't, I don't think I got any of them. Really? Psalm 135. Here's, here's, a, here's a good posture for you. Search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Try me and even know my ways, my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked or hurtful way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. See if there's any wickedness. You've often heard me. I'm not interested in your sin list. This is what we're interested in. Is what you're doing pleasing to him or not? You take it up with him. Well, I don't think that that's really that bad. Well, if he's okay with it, no problem. But if he's not, you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. I know people who've attended many, many revival services and never changed. I, let me take it a step further. I know people who have been in days and days, weeks and weeks of revival services that today are not even serving God. Why? Because they didn't let the Holy Spirit touch them and change them. So it's not about like, oh yeah, we're just all going to get together and we're just going to have church and it'll just be great. And we're all flowing in revival. No, we're not. Sorry, we're not. It's about personal transformation. Repentance. Stopping the things that are displeasing to God. And doing the things that are pleasing to God. Being transformed by His power. It's about obeying the commands of God. And keeping his precepts or his rules. This, my friend, is not being religious. Okay? There are people who believe, oh, well, you're just, you're just religious. No, no, no. They're his commands. I want them in my life. Period. I just want them. John 14, 21. Those who really love me are the ones who not only know my commands, but they obey them. You actually do it. Do what you read. My Father will love such people, and I will love them. Here comes revival. And I will make myself known to them. That's revival. When you get to know God. He already knows you, but when you get to know God. This one dovetails on the last one. Not only obeying, but it is you loving to obey his commands. Oh, I'm not allowed to do that. Don't be like that. You know, if you ever read the commands of God, trust me, they're for your good. Think about the situations that violate his commands and the harm that it does to people. Think about it. Thou shalt not lie. How many of you have been lied about? Yeah, the harm that it does. Covetous. Obeying mom and dad. Those are all boundaries. Anyway, that's a different message. But loving. How I love your laws, your instructions, your teaching. And I meditate on them throughout the day or all day long. Revival's about your hunger and your thirst. Like Jules said. 
Very easy to let that hunger wane. We've got to be deliberate. We've got to be disciplined. And we've got to be honest with ourselves. Without him, we ain't nothing. Period. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness. Those who actively seek right standing with God. That's revival. That's revival. For they shall be, here, here's, here's God's part. For they shall com, be completely satisfied. When you hunger and thirst for the things of God, he will come. He will satisfy you. True revival requires total surrender and yielding. Now, this is one. Well, you know, I got all this together. I don't need to turn that over. That's already in order. I'll just give them the stuff that's out of order. No. You got to surrender everything to him. Serving God could cost you everything. I know, I know. We don't like to hear it. It may not be required of us to give up everything, but we better be willing to give up everything for him. So we totally surrender. All the good things in our life that we think is going great, you better give it to God. In a moment, it'll be gone. If the devil had his way, in a moment, it would be gone. All of your intellect, all of your money, all of your wisdom, you better give it all. You better be surrendered and yielded to God in every area. And I trust that the Holy Spirit is showing you things as I'm going through this and wrapping up areas in your life that you need to adjust, stop, change, be transformed. I trust that that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Requires total surrender and yielding. yielding. Do not offer the members of your body to sin as tools of unrighteousness. Instead, offer yourselves, yield yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead, and offer the members of your body to God as tools of righteousness. Everything you possess is a tool of righteousness. It should be. Should be used for God. Given to God. Surrendered to God. Everything. Your testimony, Jules' testimony this morning, used for God. It's a tool of righteousness. You don't know how many people we've shared our story with. And it's been a blessing and helped them through it. Listen, I told God when we went through this, I said, I'm not not willing to go through this and just be done with it. I want to learn everything I can. So that I can be used by you to help as many people as possible in my lifetime. And we've done that. Sat with parents. No words to say. Just to be there with them. Don't waste your testimony. What God has delivered you from, use it. Use it as a tool of righteousness. Use it. It's about walking with conviction, not compromise. We'll never have revival when there's compromise. Sorry. It's standing for God's truth or his word. It's standing for his kingdom. Think of the three Hebrew children that were told to bow down to the image when the flutes came out and the other instruments, whatever they were. I said, no. No. We're not going to do that. 
Even the king made the furnace seven times hotter than normal. Got the strongest soldiers to throw them in. They say, we're not going to bow. We believe that our God is able. In other words, we have conviction. But we're not going to bow to the idol. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow. Even if our God doesn't come through for us. You talk about trust. Can you say that with your life? Even if God doesn't come through for me, I'm still going to serve him. I've been in those places. I've heard the devil tell me that. Oh, really? In the darkest of days, when things were not happening, I said, no, I will serve him regardless. Regardless. Conviction. Let me just say this in passing. And we've got the uh, food drive and it's happening and people are excited about that and witnessing and all that. Let me, let me just say something about witnessing. Oh, I, I'm, just, I'm just really nervous. I'm, I'm not that type. Oh, I just, I, I don't know what to say. Let me tell you something. It takes courage, but you know what? Courage isn't the absence of fear. Courage overcomes the fear. In other words, in spite of your hesitation, in spite of your lack of knowledge, in spite of the lack of your wordiness or that you're not a talkative person, in spite of all of that, courage overcomes the fear. It's courage that's inside, not negating your timidness or your shyness or anything like that. But it's courage, the courage of God that comes on you that causes you to overcome your fears. And lastly, it's going to take humility. Humility. Recognizing that we're nothing without him. If God has heard me tell him that one time he's heard me tell it scores and scores and scores of times. Humility. Walking humble before God. But he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and to live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for salvation. God is opposed to the proud and the haughty, but he continually gives the gift of grace to the humble who turn away from self-righteousness. So submit to the authority of God. When we walk in humility... He comes to us. He, his presence is drawn to us. Because he resists the pride, proud. He don't want to have anything to do with it. Someone may be wondering, well, why doesn't God want to have anything to do with me? Well, maybe it's because you think you got it all together. And you don't need him. going to require humility it's going to require humility let me close with this passage as Allison's coming to play let me read you revival let me read you revival second chronicle seven if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, we, we saw that, and pray, seek, crave, require as necessity. Remember desperation? Seek my face 
turn from their wicked ways, repentance. Even in this awesome church, turn from our wicked ways. I pray the Holy, Holy Spirit's conviction come and settle on you and me. I just pray for that. Safe place. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear them from heaven and I'll forgive their sin. You can be forgiven. And I'll heal their land. I'll heal their country. Do we not need God to heal America? Every country of the world that I stand in, we in desperate need of God to come and heal. Now my eyes will be open and my ears will be attentive to the prayer offered in this place. In this place. We're talking about revival coming to this place. To this place. To that place. To this, to this gathering. He wants to come. He said he would come. He said he would pour out his spirit. He's ready. He's willing. You can have as much of God as you want. You can have as much anointing as you want. You can have as much fire as you want. You can have it all. You can have it all. But he says that his eyes will be open and his ears will be attentive to the prayers offered in that place. What place? The place where the people who are called by his name, that's us, believers. Yeah, the world, yes. But he's talking about you and me who claim the name of Christ. He says, if you and me will humble ourselves, if we'll pray, if we'll be desperate, if we'll seek his face, and if we'll turn from our wicked ways, that's anything that doesn't please him, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I'll heal their land. Done deal. The offer is out there for you and for me. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to join us on a Sunday morning or other weekly gathering, know that you're more than welcome. And if you'd like other resources on or about this ministry, or for any deeper questions you may have, be sure to visit our website at hotfmlakeland.com.